0: Instead of sitting and knitting, I could make coat. Parents are very relieved when this is a job done outside uh, their uh, home. What do we protect into these kids? Because this
1: is not what we need in the future. We need to change our way of thinking in so many ways.
2: My name is Johanna Kinnock. My name is Maria Jensel. And this is The Five Podcast, where we invite exciting people to guide you through the big questions of today.
3: Joanna, is there anything that you felt like you should have learned in school that you haven't? Yes. Oh, my God. Are you kidding? Like a whole bunch of stuff. Okay, so if you had to make a new school system tomorrow, what would you put on the curriculum? Personally, I feel like I came out of school with uh, a lot
2: of like logical and like writing skills, but no real practical skills. So stuff like, I don't know, doing your taxes, like the whole private economy of like actually being an adult and navigating the adult world is something. Adult life hacks. Adult life hacks could be like a whole course in itself. Um, I don't know, I feel like my history lessons were very biased as well. They were quite Eurocentric and just we just basically learned a bunch about the Vikings, but I had no idea about some of Denmark's colonial past, for example. What would you uh, What would you add?
3: I think that for sure something that we really missed in school was modern sexuality, like girls went out of school not knowing anything about their bodies or about consent or gender fluid uh, situations and uh, LGBT rights and all of this and in general, wokeness, I think. Both Black Lives Matter and... You'd have and, a woke
2: 101 yeah, class.
3: Yeah, for sure. Because I think that is something that uh, we have learned ourselves later, um, but it, not something at all that we, uh, that we learned in school. I think uh, for this episode, we should do a thought experiment mm-hmm. uh, where we design the new school. So if we were making a school tomorrow, how would it look? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think we shouldn't only... Uh, ask ourselves, because that's a little um, (laughs) close-minded. So we have asked all of the five media editorial staff. And uh, here are some of the things that they would put on their curriculum if uh, they were designing the new school of tomorrow. For example, they say creativity, uh, a modern form of religion, artificial intelligence, social media skills, coding and technology, philosophy how to grow your own vegetables how the brain works and how you take care of your brain uh, climate is something a lot of them say yeah sign me up sign me up that sounds like a great if that was my
2: schedule for the week i would like be there 8 a.m sharp every yeah, day like, instead everybody. of uh,
3: biology math physics and reading
2: yeah but we're not dissing this those. we know that those go- those ones are important as well yeah. but for our new school we definitely want to Add a couple of things yeah for sure um, and so we looked over this list and tried to decide what kind of three topics would be the most important things on the curriculum at our new school and one thing that kept coming up again and again in all our answers from the five staff was um, technology
3: the second thing is uh, is climate mm-hmm. everyone is saying climate uh, sustainability and um, and the third thing is uh, modern sexuality? Yeah, that's a uh, that's something that we
2: thought was important to add on. Yeah. There for yeah.
3: Sure. So, let's decide on the 3. Technology, sustainability, and modern sexuality. Yeah, sit tight, buckle your seatbelts. Get your notebooks out. Welcome to the new school.
2: <laughs> Tell me
0: what. I don't like
2: So today we're going to be making our very own perfect school. We're going to speak to a coding teacher, a sexual education activist and a woman who founded one of Denmark's very first sustainable schools.
3: Liz Sacco is the leader of the organization Coding Pirates that works on teaching children how to code and program. She works tirelessly to get coding as a part of the curriculum, and she has made a TED Talk on this exact topic. Welcome, Liz, and thanks so much for talking to us. Thank you. When we were at school, we had an old IT room where we could write in different fonts and paint, and that was very wild. We played on a colorless Game Boy and had a Tamagotchi that uh, we should feed virtually, but in no way did we imagine that we could program our own Tamagotchi or make our own game for the Game Boy or even invent anything. We are both uh, millennials, me and uh, Joanna, and we are already very outdated. So Liz, can you please start by explaining to us What it is that the kids learn today? What is coding?
4: Coding is making your own program or making your own tools. We work with IT creativity and we work with playing, investigation, inventing. We really like to invent new ways of using the technology. We are technology hackers Mm -hmm. in our own way. When I'm in the coding part and I have been there for five and a half years, I'm not a teacher normal i work as a math teacher and technology comprehension teacher but when i'm in the coding part i'm more a supervisor and i learn together with the children and i uh, find new interesting things uh, in the technology together with the children and I invent together with the children. Last night I was with the coding pirates and we were trying to figure out how we could use the technology to see if there was enough water in our plants so they weren't uh, drying for us um, and if we could find a way with a microbit to do it then it could be fantastic and if it failed then it was just fun, <laughs> and that's that's one of the most important things that we're thinking. The coding part—it's so fine. You learn from your failure. And where where did your own passion for coding start? Oh, my passion for coding started. Uh, I'm a little old, <laughs> but my passion started one day when I realized that I could. Uh, do the same thing as the children could. I heard about a website for kids uh, where you could learn to code to and I think, okay, I want to start on this. And then I was sitting in my couch and I realized I could do it. It was a new world. It was a new beginning in my life. I realized that I could do something else with my computer. Uh, it was not just entertainment for me, I could build instead of sitting and knitting I could make code.
3: Why is it so important that children learn to code all over the world? We
4: are living in a digital society and we have the digital tools and possibilities all around us. If you don't know how to behave, how to play with the technology, how to use the technology in a proper way, then you can't be part of a digital society. And we see now because of the corona that um, those children who don't have the possibility to learn with technology, for example, online teaching, they will be losers in the future because they can't demand their rights. Mm. They can't be part of the society. You need to have competences. You need to have digital competences.
3: And what kind of world do you think we send these children out to? Like how big a role does technology play in the society that in the workplaces that they come out to when they start working?
4: I think it's already having a huge uh, dominance in the work culture. Uh, We saw it during the corona that a lot of people need to go to virtual meetings and they were all uh, meeting uh, with their computers Half a year ago, all people were going by plane or train to meet. So this pandemic have changed the way that we see the technology. We, are, we need the technology. We need to be good at it. We can't just do as we used to do. I can't just do the normal teaching. Uh, I can't use my normal ways of teaching because... Now the pandemic had shown me that we can teach the children online. So a lot of things have changed and no one knows what will happen next. But I'm sure that the children need to be creative, like we do in the coding parts, and they need to be good at ideating, and they need to be really good. Uh, problem solving, working with errors and so on.
3: Do you think there's political support for your mission or is there obstacles in the way to getting coding on the curriculum?
4: I think that we have uh, support for, for the mission about uh, technology comprehension for all children uh, in the school. But I think they know to the politicians that it's expensive and it demands changes in the school. And the school is a super tanker. It's hard to get it into another direction. And I'm sure they know it will cost money. And I I think that the biggest problem is that the the teachers are not well enough educated into this mission. Mm -hmm. So they know we have a have some work to do there because it's not enough to say okay once one week a year we have technology and then everything is fine no 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 we need to have the technology every day because it's changing so fast but the kids are ready ready to learn and i'm curious to hear what is like the craziest or most quirky thing that you've seen these kids come up with the most crazy thing i have worked on was to make to rebuild a bike into a pancake machine. Wow. <laughs> I love that. Wait, they coded a bike. Uh, we it was uh, yeah they were we were putting on some technology to the to the bike so that it could make uh, uh, automatical uh, make a, a bake the pancakes.
1: Kids of wow. the future.
2: I mean, yeah. whatever this generation yeah. is doing, they're doing something yeah. right. I trust this kid. <laughs> yeah, I trust this kid with my life. This kid for president. <laughs> yeah, for sure.
3: So our kids have learned to code, but are they ready to making some human connections too? The other subject we want to teach in the school is uh, something along the lines of how to know and love your body and respect other bodies and boundaries. Let's call it modern sexuality.
2: So in the studio we have Linus Daungal, the national director of the Danish National a family Planning Association, which is the leading sex and reproductive health organization in Denmark. Uh, she's also sat on the regional and international board at IPPF, the International Planned Parenthood Federation. Uh, much of her work has focused on getting more extensive sex ed in schools. So thank you for coming, Lina. You're welcome. Thanks for taking the time. Um, when we were at school, we were discussing this, when we were at school, we learned to put a condom on a banana and watched one or two cartoons of how babies were made. So what were we missing?
0: You were missing out on a lot of things because a good comprehensive sexual education is about life. So it's not only about reproduction or uh, safe sex, it's about boundaries, it's about uh, the body, it's about um, confidence and self worth, it's about being able to communicate both sexually but also actually to be able to um, decode other people's signals so everything around social life is in comprehensive sexual education
3: the critics they would say like okay sex is a private thing mm-hmm. like why is it so important that both for the for the kids who grow up and mm-hmm. also for our society that these children
0: learn this from a young age it's extremely important and it's more important that most people actually think because sexuality education is not only about sex it's about life skills and our um Our main point when we talk to politicians and and other people are always like the link between uh, gender, body, and sexuality to mental health is really, really strong. So mental health and well-being is also lying on top of these issues. If you see bullying in school, the most... um, Kids who are being bullied—they're either being bullied about their uh, gender or gender expression, their bodies, or uh, something around sexuality. A lot of our like curse words in Denmark are words that surround sexuality or gender. So everything is like kind of entwined in in this. So. It, I'm very happy about your fear to school, that you want to put this up on a pedestal and actually say we need to prioritize this because prioritizing comprehensive sexual education is really tackling some of the very, very important problems we have in our society. Problems with inequality, but also problems around mental health and also just the violence or consent or rape or like digital violence. All of these things would have... A much better uh, outlook if we actually had a whole generation who had progressive, systematic, comprehensive sexual education.
2: And what what age do you think people should uh, start getting sex education?
0: They should start actually already before school, so preschool kids. Okay. Yeah. Then they should learn about their bodies. They should have uh, pedagogues who know how to uh, tackle expressions of sexuality in little kids so we don't install the shame already from age three, four, or five. Right now, we try to recommend that you do use a certain. Uh, amount of hours so you kind of put it on the the schedule but at the same time the best sexual education is if it's also integrated in everything like Mm. you can talk about um uh, yeah gender stereotypes and what you want to be when you grow up and like the expansion of norms uh, with with very young kids mm. we were talking about things like we didn't know
3: if we could get pregnant while swimming in in a swimming pool if there had been a man who had sperm on his peamness swimming mm, yeah, lots right of before. lots of myths to be debunked yeah, for sure a lot of myths and you didn't know what was true and what was not but do you experience support from the politicians and from schools uh,
0: in your mission, or is there obstacles in this fight? There are many obstacles, uh, but of course there is also support. Uh, we definitely have some support from politicians, and we also have some po- support from a lot of teachers who want to do this better. And what about the parents? Do they have you had any response
2: from parents who are like, "You're turning our kids into little sex monsters" or teaching them mm. the wrong
0: stuff? Actually not. I think that parents are very relieved when this is a job done (laughs) outside uh, their uh, home. But at the same time, we work a lot with parents because it's also important that the parents are there to talk with their kids and make their kids feel safe to ask questions. If we go back to like, should we put like... um, Schedule sexual education on on the curriculum. Um, you have to do both. It has to be an integrated part because if you just put like one person, okay, here we have the expert teacher. They got the right education. They're good at this, and put it in, and then you would be like, okay, so LGBT plus. Um, is a, an important topic and we should have room for everybody and we should and like have a very very open progressive education and then you go to uh pe and your uh pe teacher is just like oh you're a fucking gay uh, then everything is ruined like you need to have like a holistic that everyone who is surrounding young people or kids should be to have some ba- basic knowledge and have like the kind of same approach which is open i'm and this is so important especially in some of the issues we see in our society recently we heard about herdcore, which is um, extortion online where you would threat um, typically a young girl where you obtain some naked pictures of her and then you would threat her to do a lot of like self-harm and really bad stuff to themselves because you can say otherwise I will show these pictures to your family to your friends if Shame was not a part of uh, of a woman's upbringing. Then her call could not exist. Mm. It would not be possible because then it would be like, well, you know, you can send it to my parents and my friends. Go ahead. There's not I'm not I'm not ashamed. I'm not afraid, but it's illegal. So I, of course, will um, report, uh, you. report you, but you would never have cases where people have been uh, pressured and tortured to do a lot of stuff if we did not have the shame. That's yeah. true. And how do the kids react to uh, the sex ed, like learning about these things? Are they embarrassed or do they think it's interesting i think they they think it's interesting and sometimes they're also embarrassed and we shouldn't be so uh, afraid of being uh, embarrassed <laughs> or we shouldn't be uh, afraid about being awkward. It's okay. Let's just laugh about it and just let's also be serious about it, that it's, it's something that can come close sometimes, but it's not something you, you don't, because you should not use your own stories or your own experiences. Then we can discuss it as a topic between us. We don't have to talk about you and me. We can, we can actually work with it in a, in a professional way. Finally, the new school
2: wants to teach the kids about some of the challenges that lie ahead. Obviously there are plenty to pick from, but one looms over the others. So our last class at the new school is the climate, but is it even possible to prepare kids for that kind of future without, excuse me, but scaring the shit out of them? We asked an expert. On the phone is Fee Ambo. Um, she's the chairwoman of the board and the founder of the Green Free School in Copenhagen. The school opened in 2014, and it was the first of its kind in Denmark to make climate the central pillar of the curriculum. Hi, Fee. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, so in school, I don't ever remember talking about the climate in any detail at all. Uh, I think we watched Al Gore's An Inconvenient Truth for a Geography class once and that was pretty much it. How important is it to you to educate kids on the climate?
1: Well, for me, it was really important to make a school um, system where climate was not a subject in school, where it was sort of interwoven in the whole fabric of the school. So it's not, we don't, in the Green Free School, we don't have a subject called climate. It's like the whole structure of the school supports a new way of behaving in the the times that we are going to go through, all of us, with all the changes that are going to happen. But also... Uh, we, we run this, the school with um, project-based learning. So we don't, we don't sort of have specific subjects. We, we have a project, and within that project, you learn about different subjects. An example could be that uh, the younger kids now, uh, they are learning about biodiversity. One of the, the people who own a lot of land, the place where the school is, came out to us and said, I'm really, really sad because there are no birds in my land anymore. So these kids, they have to study why, how do how do we make the birds come back? Which results in they have to um, make the 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 lawns into floor, uh, you know, fields with flowers instead of just grass, and in that way the birds will come back because there will come insects, and that's the basic feed, feeding um, resource for the birds. So in that way they learn both about biology and. Geology and math, and all the kinds of skills that you need in order to make the birds come back. So, that's sort of an example of uh, a, a pro- project based learning. And that's the whole school is only project based learning. And, and what was your dream when you founded the
3: Green Free School?
1: Well, my dream was to uh, create a generation that would be um, courageous enough to go into this process in, in a democratic way that they would uh, they would think of of themselves as part of a bigger system so they can push in the way that they want and they can uh you know help the system change that's that's sort of the the main theory in doing project based learning is also that you do something for other people because we, what we need now is uh, children who start thinking about the bigger community about You know, the the global community, basically. But you start with yourself in in your school and your local community, your country, then EU and then the world. So it's sort of that the the rings, they widen uh, the older you get. So it's very ambitious. It's like you're genuinely out
2: here saying that education is going to save the world. Yeah, but it is.
1: (laughs) It's our only hope because there are so many things that we learn unconsciously through the education system that creates the problem as you know we're creating
2: our perfect school the new school and we wanted to ask you how you think we should
1: teach climate in the new school well i think that it that, that you shouldn't teach climate you should be the you should sort of uh, you, you shouldn't have it like an additional subject because that's also a way of saying that climate is something that we can have on Tuesdays Uh, in the afternoon, and the rest of the time we're just doing, you know, what we used to do. And nothing can be what we used to do, because what we used to do has created the problem. Mm. So you have to think of climate change as something that's interconnected with everything. Like when you talk about sex and society, climate change is also very much connected to equality Mm. and human rights and uh, feminism, you have to think in a feminist way in order to solve these problems, because one of the key things is to educate uh, um, uh, girls in third world countries, for instance. That's something that's really a key player within changing um Climate change, so uh, so you have to think about the whole system. So
2: should the, should climate be like the main lens that we see all the other subjects through? Then
1: yeah,
3: yeah. And at what age are the kids ready to learn about these huge uh, climate changes that's that's coming? Uh, so so they like don't get scared of uh, some climate ec- apocalypse.
1: I'd say well they're pretty old actually. Uh, we we support playfulness and uh, inventions and uh, you know. Um, courage when they're young so they so you learn about water by jumping into water holes and go, going to the beach and swimming and stuff like that and of course when you go to the beach you also see plastic but what we do with that is that we collect it and we make sure that uh, we we don't leave any traces and stuff like that but that's sort of a behavioral thing that that lies in the back of the mind of these kids it's not you're not going to teach them about how many uh Fish die with plastic in their intestines and stuff like that. That's not. That's not when they're young. So when uh, gradually, when they go older, I'd say when they're around uh, sixth, seventh grade we start opening up the box. And have you ever experienced like
3: criticism or resistance uh, for focusing so much on, on the climate? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Because in the beginning <laughs> in 2014, when we started, people thought that this was completely, you know, crazy because that the problem is not that big with climate change. We're going to handle it. It's going to be under control. Don't worry. So in the beginning, people thought this was kind of radical. And of course, we're still considered radical. But, you know, It's starting to dim that uh, this is not going to change by itself. And uh, we need to to start a whole new paradigm of thinking education. And that's really still my uh, conviction after having, you know, the school has been there for since, yeah, since 2014. But I think that conviction in me has only grown stronger because now we see the whole wave of Me Too and sexism in the workplace. And you know what? People, you know, kids are taught sexism in school because it's something you learn in school. So don't be so surprised that at the workplace there's sexism everywhere. It's taught in school so we have to go through all all the habits that we have as grown-ups and see what do we project into these kids because this is not what we need in the future we need to change our way of thinking in so many ways
2: but isn't isn't the green free school then like a little bit of an echo chamber where parents that already agree with the climate agenda send their kids to also learn to agree to congratulate the school and
1: well, well, that is, a, that is a risk, but I'd say I'd say that uh, a lot of parents of the Green Free School are not that <laughs> climate woke and not that, uh, you know, aware of sexism and stuff. It's something that the kids get, and then they go home, and then they say to their parents, Listen, this and this and this and so this. What's your impression? How do the kids react to being taught about the climate? It's very different than what people think, because we're not, you know, we're not showing them their goal film. We're not, they are not... Um, they're not taught climate. <laughs> they're sort of acting climate. They are. They. They know how to make uh, how to make plants grow in the city, and they know how to, you know, how to take care of the resources and stuff like that. But I think that if you go to a school and ask them something, what do you know about climate? They would be a little bit puzzled. <laughs> so, so it's not about the like hard
2: climate factors, It's just about getting in touch with nature, really. Yeah.
1: Well, if you ask me, the the changes that we're going to face are so severe that we don't know if we're going to be able to... Well, one thing is for sure, we're not going to be able to reverse them. So what we need to focus on now is how do we keep our humanity? How do, we, how do we act in a crisis situation where there will be millions of climate refugees? How do we keep acting as if we are one humanity and that is sort of the the main goal is that we can um we can take care of each other and not be um so scared that we start you know that that wars will start basically that's the main threat is that we can, we will start there will be more wars because of a uh, lack of resources. So it's it's cozy at school, but it's actually crisis uh,
2: SOS climate education. Yeah, it is. It is. But we never say that to the kids. <laughs> <laughs> okay. you know,
1: I hope no, none of the kids will hear me say that. Okay. We won't, we we won't spill paint. the beans. <laughs> we don't paint this picture for them.
3: So we've been to the new school all day. Well, we haven't actually been there physically, but we have been imagining. Like for my sake, I would imagine a big uh, pink castle with diamonds everywhere. Uh, oh my that's- God, that's exactly what I was picturing <laughs> as well. Perfect. Then we have been there together. <laughs> and
2: uh, what was the biggest lesson you learned today? Well, I learned so much, you know, like Lena, Lys, Fee, they all had loads of great input in how we should teach at our new school. But... I don't know, especially at, in our last interview with Fee, I kind of got to thinking about whether this—the whole idea of having classes, you know, one, two, three, having a schedule in that way—is kind of outdated in itself. You know, whether we should actually just be doing it more holistically and saying... Also
3: because we started with so many subjects. Like we needed to decide on three that we would investigate today. But there's like hundreds of subjects that's so important right now in a modern world to uh, to learn something about as a child. And we can't have everything on the curriculum. So I think this is a good solution that we maybe, like, we don't have subjects. We just have, like everything blending together. Yeah, you know how everyone's always so hyped about Finnish schools? Yeah. I was
2: reading up on it, and apparently it's because one of the reasons why Finnish schools do so well is because they don't have subjects at all. So at the beginning of a semester, they'll say, okay, kids, here's an apple. Let's uh, you know, weigh the apple instead of having math class. Let's juggle it instead of having PE class. Let's uh, write poems about it for English class. So it's just all mixed together, and I guess that's more... I don't know. It mirrors better what
3: actually happens in the real world these days, where everything is a bit more up in the air. I think that makes so much sense. Like, I would like, I would love to go to a school like
2: this. Yeah. And uh, what about you? You've, uh, you've got a kid on the way. You're, <laughs> you're pregnant as hell. What, what did you gain from but going to the new school today? And like,
3: what, did it make you think about? For sure, I wanted. I want to send my kid to our perfect school. Mm-hmm. Like this is just this would be the dream because I think that every school has something right now that they focus on and specialize in. But this school that Fee is talking about, that uh, that combines all of this and makes it uh, blend together, this is this is the goal. This is the dream school that I would like to send my kid to in six years when it's uh, out and a real a, a real child ready to go to school.
2: You've been listening to The Five Podcast, where we tackle some of the big questions of today. The podcast is brought to you by Five Media, a new global media platform that aims to change the conversation through quality journalism. Go to fivemedia.com for more Five content and subscribe to the podcast and never miss an episode. New episodes are out every second Friday. Bye. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.